Hi, everyone. Welcome back to How to College First Gen. I'm your host, Shiv. March has been Women's History Month, and we hope you've enjoyed hearing the stories of the powerful first-gen women and their personal and professional experiences. Today's episode covers a topic that may seem foreign to a lot of us, the journey to medicine. So for a lot of first-gens, medical school and other graduate health programs may feel like a black box, both unknown and overwhelming. Today's episode, we're going to welcome Sanam Bhakta to the show. Sanam is an inspiring woman, MBA graduate, medical student, and I'm honored to say my fiance. Throughout her educational journey thus far, she's shown an unwavering advocacy for community health, especially as it relates to addressing health inequities. I've been honored to see that journey firsthand. Hey, Sanam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So to kick it off, can you share a bit about yourself and your first-gen story? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Texas called Floresville. It's kind of south of San Antonio. And my parents came to the United States from India in their late 20s. And they come from a really long line of farmers. So when they got here, they kind of worked a whole range of jobs. Everything from hotel maid to working at Dairy Queen and Sonic. And they kind of worked these jobs until they saved up enough to be able to invest in their own motel. And growing up, managing that motel was really a family business. We spent our mornings working as housekeeping and our working weekends watching the front desk. And it was a really unique way to grow up and grow up living and working in this motel. Uh, and with their support, my sister and I were able to continue our educations after high school. Interesting journey. Yeah. And for those listeners that listened to my intro episode, you may recall that I also grew up in a motel, so I sympathize with that family business struggle. I'm sure it was a unique experience. But like you mentioned, you ended up going to, to further education after high school. Where did you end up going? I went to the University of Texas, where I got my bachelor's in biology and minor in business, Hook'em Horns, and now I'm in medical school. I'm in my second year at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center as a dual MD-MBA student. Congrats again on getting into medical school. Thanks. So how did you discover your passion for medicine? Like, when did you know medical school was right for you? Yeah, so what first piqued my interest were, was really just the science of medicine. My favorite class all through middle school, high school, even college were science courses. And learning about the body especially was really interesting to me. So after I had that initial curiosity peaked, I really sought opportunities to learn more. And in college, I spent a lot of time volunteering and working in healthcare. And that's what really cemented that passion down for me. I'm glad you're able to build on those passions. For a lot of us, especially me being an engineer, the med school application process feels like a black box. So can you break down for us what that looks like? Yeah, it's definitely a very tedious and confusing process, but we can start with the timeline. It's kind of a, a lengthy journey going into medicine. It's four years of getting a college degree, then four years of medical school, and then from there, a three to four year residency. And at that point, you can stop and start practicing, or you can do a fellowship, and that's generally anywhere from one to four years. And this doesn't all have to be done one after another. The traditional pathway is to kind of barrel and go straight through this whole process, but a lot of students also take a more non-traditional approach, where they take some years off, work in between these steps, or even change their careers and then go into medicine later on in life. Insightful. Yeah, thanks for sharing. So I guess two questions based on that. First is from the timeline. You mentioned med school and residency. Where are you in that process? 
I'm in my second year of med school, so I still have two more years of med school before I keep going. Okay. And then was your route to med school traditional or was it non-traditional? It was not. It was non-traditional. I decided to take a year in between graduating from college and then starting med school. Like I said, that journey into medicine is very long, so I knew I wanted some time to experience other parts of life. What did you end up doing in that, in that gap year, the year off? Yeah, so I had a year. For half of that, I spent it working as a counselor and science lab activity director at Camp Summit, which is a camp for people with disabilities. And they really offer a lot of barrier-free experiences for campers, which was a really cool thing to be a part of. And for the other half of that year, my fiance and I backpacked through Southeast and Eastern Asia, where we really had the chance to immerse ourselves in different cultures. So I guess looking to your med school journey now, how has your first-gen experience continued to affect it? It's definitely driven a lot of my passions. So growing up, I've always had to be kind of that translator for my parents. And that's especially in been different, especially in the doctor's offices, where I was translating for my parents about their healthcare. And it really exposed me to how different the healthcare experience is for different populations. So it's really made me passionate about health equity and community health and being able to provide accessible care, especially to underserved communities. That's definitely a noble cause. So what are your future goals? How is that linked to this interest you mentioned? Well, I'm interested in going into internal medicine, but along with practicing, my goal is to be an advocate for health equity. Like I mentioned earlier, that passion for community health is something that I really like to spend more time and energy towards later in my career. So I never even started a nonprofit to work towards providing more accessible care. A nonprofit? Exciting. What's this nonprofit called? It's called Bridged Health. Cool. Yeah, what's Bridged Health do? So it started, we, we saw a lot of barriers to healthcare, and that could be anything from language barriers like my parents to cultural barriers or even socioeconomic factors. So the mission of Bridged Health is to work directly with communities and provide them with tailored health resources. That's an inspiring mission. So how do you all accomplish this? Yeah, so we are lucky enough to have health students from all over volunteer their time and efforts into helping these communities. And we create free resources that are translated for our community partners that really take into account their, that community's specific needs. So anything from you know, being translated in their language to cultural considerations to really just anything that that community can benefit from. I guess looking back, it sounds like starting a nonprofit was like the first time you did that. How did you navigate that journey? Yeah, it's definitely been a huge learning experience. When I first started Bridged Health back in 2018, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anyone that had started anything like this. It was really out of my comfort zone. So I listened to a lot of podcasts, read different articles, and really just try to learn more about the whole nonprofit strategy and growth process. And along the way, I found other people that were just as passionate about this topic. And by leaning on them and leaning on our volunteers, We've created Bridged Health to be this organization. We've worked really hard for our community partners. And at this point, I never expected that to be possible or to have volunteers from all over the world that help us and to even just work with the communities that we've able to, been able to partner with. Fascinating. Yeah, it's not every day that we meet someone that starts something of this scale and magnitude. What are some of the projects that y'all are working on or that y'all have worked on? Yeah, so a couple of examples. So we've worked with Good Apple, which is a nonprofit based in Austin, Texas. So there's a huge food desert that's predominantly affecting the Latinx community there. And Good Apple provides them with free groceries. And so we've partnered with them to provide them with educational resources on nutrition, on diabetes, on COVID. 
And we took that information and translated it in Spanish and in English. And then we've also worked with the Haitian community of the Bronx. At the height of the COVID pandemic, there was tons of misinformation flying around. And this community was relatively under-vaccinated. So we worked with their local doctors to provide them with COVID-19 resources that were specific for their community. Yeah, those sound like really diverse projects, props for being able to work across the country on such um, high-value stuff. So I guess looking to the future, what is the plan for Bridge Health? What does Bridge Health look like at uh, even more scale than you're already able to, uh, to scale it up to? Yeah, so the vision is just to continue growing and being able to advocate for more communities. We're currently concentrating our efforts in a couple of cities, but we'd like to scale that up so we can work with more and more people and just kind of be able to make even even bigger impact for these communities. Yeah, I'm glad. Wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. So what tips do you have for other first-gen college students that are interested in the space and medicine and public health? Yeah, so one of the things that I really struggled with was exposure to different opportunities. Medicine and public health is, they're huge fields, and there's tons and tons of different ways to be in these fields besides just the being a doctor, being a nurse, or something like that. So something I would recommend to other first-gen students is to learn more about these fields. And you can do this by applying to any and all opportunities that they can find. So volunteer volunteer experiences, internships, jobs, just really anything. Even if you're not interested in that specific thing, it's a great way to learn and just kind of see where your passions come out. Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure the listeners must already be proactive since you're listening to a podcast like this. But even then, no matter how proactive you are, a lot of this stuff may be a daunting because there's so much you need to learn. Where do you recommend folks find this stuff? Like, how do you learn what you need to do? Well, I think Google's a great resource. There are tons and tons of internships and volunteer opportunities that you can find through Google. And these can be anywhere from in your city that, or at your college or even at other universities that you can get involved with. And the other way is to talk to people, reach out to your friends, to professors, even just to strangers and chat with them, ask to chat with them. People generally just want to help you succeed and talking to them is a great way for you to be able to learn and just see what kind of opportunities are out there for you. Fantastic. And given that it's Women's History Month, I'd love to ask you one final question before we wrap up, which is how has being a woman affected your your journey, both in undergrad or in med school? Yeah, I definitely think it's been an interesting journey. Being a woman in STEM, being a woman in medicine, is there's definitely still somewhat of a stigma and a, and a hurdle to be able to jump. But I think there are a lot of resources and organizations that are working towards bridging that gap. So I've been able to get involved with a lot of organizations that are oriented towards women in medicine. And also it just helps you build a huge community of other women who are kind of going through this whole same experience as you are and be able to connect with them on a different level. So it's kind of a pros and cons of it, but I think in the end, it definitely has given me more of a community to work from. I'm glad. Yeah, there's something nice about going through whatever hardships we all face, especially with other people that experience the same hardships. I'm glad you're able to find those communities. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to, uh, to chat today, Sonam. It's always a joy chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to today's episode with Sonam. She shared a lot of interesting nuggets from her journey as a first-gen medical student and a nonprofit founder. I still don't know how she finds the time to make these big waves. 
I wanted to end this episode with some wonderful words that Sunam shared with me after our chat that have inspired me and hopefully inspire you as well. She said, The biggest thing I've learned so far is that our time is precious and that life will pull us in a million directions. In these turbulent times, even our most noble of goals often gets lost in the chaos. So no matter which field you find yourself in, whether you follow my footsteps to medicine or you find yourself in law, engineering, civil service, community activism, make sure you stay true to yourself and your values. Find your unique way of doing good in the world while helping those around you. Because you'll soon find those that are driven by that same dream and your little ripples will become big waves. Thank you.